When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the podcast, Fanatics, recording about uh, 9 o'clock on Sunday, May 22nd. I want to tell you about one of our corporate sponsors, Mechdyne, which was founded by Iowa State graduates way back in the year 1996. 1996, Bloom, what, what do you think of in 1996? Troy Davis. Yes, Troy Davis, of course. Mechdyne the, the is TDO now... The TDO-meter? An international company. They've got businesses ranging from virtual reality to automotive design, IT services, and security technology. If you're interested in a career with lots of opportunity, check out Mechdyne's career page. Let me say this to you, and I'm just going to be blunt with you, and this is a conversation that your parents should have already had with you. If you're a graduate and you don't have a job lined up, that's a tough break. But let me ask you this. How hard have you been trying? Right, because if you haven't been trying, then get off your rear and go to the career page at mechdyne.com. That's a fair thing to say, right, Bloom? You're you're a man of higher education. Yeah, I mean the uh, the six month hiring rate for Iowa State right now is above ninety percent. Bada boom. So if you're not if you're one of those ten percent, let's go figure get it out. Get your rears to mechdyne.com. Let's fire up some English and get after it. Horns, please. Fun podcast tonight. A lot of good stuff to get to. Shout out to MacDine's Chris Clover. Uh, I think because Clover was there, we convinced Bloom to go to a dirt race on Wednesday night. I don't think Brent just would have gone with me. I mean, you've been my Correct. friend for how many years, and you've never been like, yeah, I'll go with you. I knew Clover was going, and I had a blast. And thank I had you. absolute, like, awesome time. You fit right in with the dirt late model fans. You did a good job. You, they, wore, that, you wore that camo hat. That's funny. <laughs> I'm going to give him a shout-out. And they didn't. This isn't. They're not. They're not a sponsor. But I'm going to give they, them a free but shout. But they should out. be a sponsor. But they could be. Yeah. They'd be a. They'd ag, get a lot of. So ag. I wore an ag venture hat. Where'd you get that? So my uh, father-in-law had to be my. Well, kind of. My <laughs> wife's uncle is an ag venture seed guy up in Fairmont, Minnesota. Oh. And so I needed a hat when I was there, and he just gave it to me. You know, they have these hats. And so I was like, I got to fit in with the crowd. I'm wearing my camo ag venture hat to the races. You look really sharp. Th- thank you. And uh, the marketing folks at Ag Ventures saw your tweet about me fitting in with the folks up in M-Town, and uh, they sent me two more hats and a shirt. Can you do something to get them to be a sponsor of the Cyclone Fanatic podcast? Hey, we're pretty close now. I mean, they they, I mean, they have my address, and they gave me two hats and a shirt. So I'm a big Ag Venture guy now. Thanks, big time. Ag Venture. Big time. So there you go. Uh, if you send Bloom free stuff. You're getting on the podcast. Your, your company gets heard by 15,000 people. That's awesome. 
Yeah, but it was it was a great time, and honestly, had a we went to the uh, Haverhill Social Club. Oh yeah, shout out to those people too. They were phenomenal. W- was awesome. Yeah, the the, uh, the chef there at the Haverhill Social Club, if we call him that, big listener of the podcast. Oh man, which is cool. One of the the, the bartender did not know who you were. That so was, was kind of fun. That was one of the coolest bars I think I've ever been. to. It was really neat for a town that's about 100 amazing people. pizza. Yeah, it's yeah. Good. So all all, all all good time, and you would and Clover is Clover's great. So. Yeah, Man, we, I would love to work for that guy. We had fun. We had fun. All right. Uh, first segment today, I want to do Omaha Bill. Is, is it Baloo? I think it's Baloo. Okay. I just don't uh, want to mispronounce I know. his name. And I know. We I think it's Baloo. It's a five-star kid. I should know. I mean, he did uh, go to Waukee. AJ Greenwatch continues. I want to do some Saban, Jimbo Fisher. And I've been um, doing a lot of reading about um, rights fees and stuff with, with sports. I'm trying to really help our audience understand the big 12 setting going into this new world. And I have a few thoughts on ESPN and the future of where they are at. So that's all coming up on tonight's podcast, which is always presented by our friends at MacDot. Earlier this week, Omaha Baloo trimmed his list to Iowa state, Kansas, Oregon, and the G league ignite, which I'll be honest with you, bloom a, year ago I did not think Iowa State would be on that list for a couple of different reasons but I think that his recruitment has changed a lot since then and it's certainly intriguing in this name image and likeness era and everything we've talked about for the last month that this five-star top 15 national prospect has Iowa State in his top four really interesting yeah so a couple things that that I think help Iowa State here and maybe long-term help Iowa State with the high school kids. Okay, if we can get into this longer discussion. Yes. But Omaha is spent most of his life in Iowa. So I think he came to this the, the state when he was five and then won a state championship at Waukee before going to the prep school route where he's in Branson, Missouri right now, I believe. I believe he's coming back. Is that right? I he is not going to that place next school. year. He's kind of had a wild. Yeah, so he was in Kansas for a little bit. I, I do think that he might be playing here in the Metro next year. But he's so. the class. He's but the he class of twenty twenty three. He has not decided where he's playing. Got it. At. Yeah. So that's that's a plus. He obviously is familiar with Ames. He's fam- I've saw him a couple of times at games this year, just kind of hanging out, even on just unofficials, just to just to be there. Clearly, of, of all of his quotes, is a fan of TJ. Likes Iowa State's defensive nature. But here's an interesting proposition now because you've got a guy who's the top 20 recruit in the nation. But if you're one of these blue bloods like Kansas, you're the Yankees now. You can just pick from freshmen and sophomores in college that are already established. Correct. And give them NIL money and say, we already know you. We're not going to risk it on a high school kid who could be very good. Absolutely. He may not be. And, and, and so if you're if you're Omaha, you could be – he could be really good. Now, I think his, and I say this in, the, in a nice way, his stock isn't as high as it was two years ago. He's still probably, if you gave me $10, he's probably a first-rounder in the 2024 draft just because he's a 6'8", 220, freak athletically that can guard every position on the floor, which is hard to find. Like Those guys are always going to be valuable. But his offense hasn't really come along as much as some people thought it would. And so he's not this surefire guy that's going to come into a Duke or a Kansas or North Carolina and start. He comes into Iowa State, though, and he starts no matter what. And so I think if you're him, you got to ask yourself, where do, where do I maximize exactly. my exposure and my productivity? 
I could be a potentially a bench guy at Kansas, and I'll bring up a name. Do you remember the name Sylvia D'Souza? Yes, I do. Who played for Montverde, was a top 25 recruit. Wasn't he the one that got paid? He got in trouble. Yeah, yeah, okay. This is we allegedly. Got, he, the car situation. I think it was he, a car. He's one of the ones in the FBI. He was probably. one of the FBI yeah. guys, right. Okay. So, again, top third, top 25 kid. Uh, similar profile as Omaha, you know, 6'9", 230. Supposed to be this guy that's going to come in and dominate. See, he plays eight minutes a game as a freshman because he wasn't as good as what Candace already had. Ends up having the FBI issues and transfers. Uh, and he's now at Chattanooga. Okay, so he ne- never made it. He wasn't he wasn't productive enough to get the NBA eyes. He didn't play enough, and now he's just a guy at Chattanooga. Now, if he if he goes somewhere else and maximizes as a starter right away, is his trajectory different? But if your Kansases and your Dukes of the world are going to have their pick of whoever they want. Whether from high school and or more, their their hip percentage be a lot stronger if they're getting Kevin McCuller from Texas Tech, which Kansas did this week, because you know that guy is going to be productive. And so if I'm Bill Self, I'm saying, you know what? We still want to be active with the high school kids, but if we can pick three guys that we want out of college, that is a more surefire hip percentage than going after those guys. And so I think the the high school recruiting will change a little bit. And I don't know if, if, if you're on that, that same line of thought too, but I think this could actually help Iowa State in that front. Couldn't agree more. I think there's a lot about this one. And I, I actually wrote a little brief column for our premium subscribers on Saturday and our Patreon members. If you guys want to subscribe and go and check that out, um, I'll make some, some of the similar points here, but not all of them on the recruiting side of it that's more sensitive in nature. Uh, but Here's the thing about Omaha, if you know much about his game, is he, he's not like this crazy skill guy. Not yet. Nope. Correct. Like he, from what he's been described to me by people who know a lot more about the game than I do, is he's actually been described as a grinder. Like he works really hard. Yep. He, plays he plays really, hard. really hard. And he's 6'8". He'd six, fit in yep. more with an Iowa State, Texas Tech type of you know, situation. Sure. So the, the, in fact, I was told, like, I, they don't even know if he'd average double figures as a freshman. But May that not. doesn't mean he wouldn't be really good it, because of his skill set. And That also doesn't alter his NBA potential no. because they need grinders too, right? Correct. Look, look at P.J. Tucker right now. And plus the NBA, what do they always draft off of? His potential. They're not drafting off of what your college numbers were. Potential and if and, you have an elite skill. And he would be an elite defender. And you have to be able to show that skill yes. is the thing. Yes. And, I mean, it's a little bit, we'll get into A.J. Green too, Um I think it's clearly a different situation, but like AJ needs minutes now. So when it comes down to Iowa State and Duke, and he just visited Duke last week, they are in a dead period. So he has to come to Iowa State after the dead period. It's like a week long or so. Yeah. Um, and, and I think it's a similar conversation in that sense. Where, so the, from what I understand is the Omaha's crew, you know, the big thing is getting to the NBA, right? And, well, you, it's harder. I actually think that if it's up to, I, I, I don't know enough. Like, I don't know his handlers or anything like sure. that. But to me, like, if that's his goal, like, doesn't the G League Ignite or Iowa State make the most sense here? Maybe Oregon. I mean, I don't, I don't know. That just seems like a weird fit. I, I don't understand, like, maybe he's really tight with yeah, Dan Altman or something. But I think anymore, so the G League Elite really took off because they could pay. 
Yeah. Now, but I'm now, just, now these these schools can pay more than G League Elite can. So they're max. Yeah, but know. like from what I understand, like I don't know if it's going to be like, hey, who can give me the biggest no, check No, I, I understand. I think, I think their the deal combo. is get me to the first round of the next year. Where Like where would that – and I, I don't know. Is it Iowa State or – does the way Iowa State play like limit you so much to be able to show that, or will he just look like amazing defensively? Well, look at Baylor's going to have two first rounders, two guys that each did not average double figures. Yeah, uh, you're right. Sohan, who was the you know the guy that had the the frosted tips during the NCAA Bulls tournament, love him. Bulls love. He's going to be a top 12, yeah. 15 guy, and he didn't really start for them. Brown started. He's going to go back probably towards the end of the lottery. But point is, if you prove yourself game in and game out against the best conference in America, especially on the defensive end, which is what Sohan did, you're going to find a spot, and that they will they will figure it out. Uh, offense is not as concerning for the next level because they got guys who can shoot. And so I think Omaha's best best chance here, like I th- I think Iowa State makes a lot of sense because if he picks Iowa State, he's probably a starter, no question. He's getting 30 minutes a game against the best offensive players in the country. And he has a chance to show some skill, too, because he's going to get the ball a little bit. Uh, plus, you're showcased every day in front of scouts because you're playing the best. And if you go to the G League Elite, you can make $100,000 right off the top. Iowa State probably can't get close to that. I don't know. With I, NIL, they may yeah. be able to. I'm still Local a believer kid. in the G League Elite, only in the sense that you're playing with pros every day. Every day, yeah. And like, that's, to me... And like, that's all you're doing. Yeah. And those guys have been really successful at the next level for the most part. Correct. But you're off in the wilderness. Yeah, and like, like you, nobody, you no nobody's brand, watching you. Zero branding. Do you know the names? There's no. Two of the best guys no, in the know. NBA, Jonathan Kaminga, yeah. rookie, and uh, the kid at, at Houston, I think it was Jalen Green. Yeah, no. Great rookie years. Nobody had heard of them. And they could no. have been from Europe for all the... Completely agree with so, you. So it's like you got to... If you're... The amount of money you can make off branding often supersedes what you can make in salary if you get to a certain level. And so if you want to become a brand, still college still has that importance because you are relevant there. So so we think he's going to Iowa State. I think, I mean, I don't, <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I think it's great you're in the four. Yeah. Well, um, I mean, clearly like. he's He seems like he's, this is a well-reasoned thought process for him. Correct. Think, how do I maximize myself to get to the next level? And quite honestly, if you're looking at minutes, productivity, and brand exposure, it might be Iowa State. Well, and just the fit, too. And, the, and plus, like, he likes TJ, clearly. There's a relationship yeah, there. That's clearly a thing. I think Blount's done a really good job. If if it comes down to who's going to pay me the most, just raw salary, I, Iowa State's not competing there, I don't think, with no, Kansas. No chance. But with the difference between Omaha and Tyrese Hunter is Omaha, in my opinion, is a surefire NBA player. Just with his physical attributes. He could average six points a game and be an NBA player because of his physical attributes. This is the way the NBA works. I, you can judge it as much as you want. It's stupid. But Omaha right. is 6'8", 230. He can guard every position. Tyrese is six foot 185. There's not many guys like him. There's a bunch of guys like Omaha. So if he can prove that he belongs in the Big 12, he's a first rounder in 2024. All he has to do is prove that. How do you prove that? Where does Oregon fit? Like This is what's weird to me. Um, why is Oregon on the list? Is it Nike? Maybe a little bit of Nike. You get a little brand exposure there. Yeah, I don't know. Plus, you're in the the Pac-12, still decent enough. It's just and they they they've recruited well. I mean, there's those guys are are good at what they do, whether it's at NIL or whatever else. But they have they have taken guys like him before 
and made them productive players. Dylan Brooks, for example, now he was a second-round pick, ends up at Memphis. Uh, Omaha's not as skilled yet as Brooks, but you get the point where they've, they've done some nice NBA development before. I'll say this. The the current roster for next year and beyond like looks a hell of a lot like one of those old Baylor teams. Not necessarily like the high, high in talent. I'm just saying like the body type yeah, and stuff. Big guys that can move. Yeah. And you it, just need every be, position. It, what Baylor really flipped for them is they found a couple skill guys to to coincide with those bigs. And, and so that's that's the next wave. I feel like Drew was one of the first guys to to realize that, you know what, the five star doesn't yeah, really mean much. Like we need to get older and more and physical. I I feel like Drew is one of the first guys to really grasp that. And that's what's crazy. It's it's flipping the other way now. Where these blue bloods now want to get old, and they yeah. can just pick. Okay, I want well, that guy. I want that guy. That's why Omaha Blues right there for Iowa, Iowa State. State. Yep, and that's and I don't. I mean, so if you're Duke, North Carolina, Kansas, you obviously would take him, but he's probably not as much of a priority as he would have been three years ago. And, I mean, yeah, no, I, I, again, I have no idea. I don't know his people. I don't either, uh, even around as, a, him. as a walkie guy, like I claim. I'm just saying, like, any time like, I've ever heard that like five-star kids go places and they play 15 minutes a game, it doesn't go well. So I have no it, idea if Omaha's people would be like that. But, well, like, if you go to North Carolina and that loaded roster, right? right well, like, look at some of those guys. I mean, they're, yeah. they're hanging around. They're literally, because they haven't been productive enough, they're not going to be surefire first-round picks. But they're so, damn good college guys. But they're hanging out at North Carolina because they can get more than they would in the G League. Yeah. And so think if Omaha, if Omaha really wants to be a first-round pick to maximize his potential exposure, I think Iowa State makes more sense than anything. Do you think that Brockington, and I saw there was a Giovanni thing out there today about him potentially being a two-way guy. Knowing what we know now, though, wouldn't Brockington have been smart just to transfer from Iowa State and go get, like, Seven hundred fifty grand somewhere. Yeah, because that's what he would have gotten. That's what the market would have demanded for him. If he could have got that, then absolutely. Because he's going to make. In the, if he's a two way, fifty thousand. Uh, more than that. Well, if I don't think he'll be a two way. I th- there was just some rumble. Okay, yeah, I, I don't even think he's going to get two way start at like one twenty. I mean, it, yeah, like if he's just a G League guy, like nope. what thirty grand, thirty like, forty what, fifty. Yeah, depending on what tier you're at. He yeah, can, no, is. he can make. He can go overseas. Yeah, yeah, but I don't think that's what Isaiah wants. I was it's, thinking it's about this. It's, no, that's that's you're exactly right. But he declared so early. Like I wonder if he would have taken taken three weeks. You're telling he could have made close to a million dollars this year. I, I truly, knowing that's what, what I've heard, mm-hmm. like that these guys are going like that when the Nigel Pack thing came out. I, you know what my first thought was? That's it. Honestly, like I I I thought yeah, that well, Brockington may have gotten more than that guy. I think he would have. Well, look at them. That's what I'm saying. The, the, like North, I, the North Carolina guys are supposedly getting. Well, they're in the millions. Yeah. To stay. That's why they stay. Oh, don't even ask about the Arkansas class. <laughs> Everything going on down there. Like, it's crazy. And, but, like, I, I again, like, I'm, I was doing a little thing on Baloo for the premium, and I started looking around. I was like, why? But, it, but I think Brockington declared so, so early. early. Mm-hmm. He had made his mind up. Which is great. Like he, he wanted to go pro. He's like, I'm twenty three or whatever. What it all it all made sense. But I, I think that's what happened with Hunter. Hunter was staying at Iowa State. This wasn't like a oh, I hate the coaches. Like he liked it. And then he saw a couple buddies yeah, cashed like, in. Yeah, and like it's like, well Who could blame him? And I I, I think the best move for Brockington would have been to transfer. 
and just go get go get paid someone. Go to Arkansas and make a million bucks next year. Pure financially, it would have been. Yeah, he's not making that next well, year in I the mean, pros. Like Baycott's the guy who at North know, Carolina. Yeah, and he's the guy who like kind of came out in the NCAA tournament. And we're all watching him. He's in the NBA next. He's a G League guy any other year, but this year, well, I can go make. Whatever and stay yeah. in college and live one, like the man. One point two million to be the big man on campus. Yeah, yeah, go for it, man. So this is the game that these the the players are going to have to play, but also the the coaches. Like, wh- wh- who do we target here, and who, where are we going to allocate our NIL money? Because there's only now some of these schools feel like they have unlimited resources. But would you rather target a guy that you know has been productive already in college and is a surefire thing, or a freshman who could be great may not be? I'm taking the college guy if I have the choice. I agree. And so there you go, fanatics who have been really down on NIL. We've painted a picture. It not could, a picture. No, we, it's, I think there's some, there's some, some li- logic there, right? Absolutely. Especially now, a guy like Bill who, who – so this is different. Like, um, let's think of like a tier two prospect. Let's think of like just compared to like Eli King. Okay. okay. Yeah, that's a tier two prospect. Right, yep. Eli King. Yep. Who is not a guaranteed NBA guy whatsoever. At any point. Right? Mm-hmm. So, like, Baloo can be like, hey, I'm going to probably go to, I need to go wherever it best suits me. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's nothing guaranteed about it. Where then you have a guy like King who needs to develop. He, you know, he wants he that. Like, right. it, it, they both of these things fit better for an Iowa State guy right now because you know you're not just going to get a transfer taken over you Great in point. the next day. Great point. So, like, if you're king, you come to Iowa State, chances are, as a sophomore, you'll be the guy, at least as a junior. Yeah. Whereas you've got these Kansases and the Dukes, they're always going to look for somebody better than you. Absolutely. I mean, look at Duke now trying to get A.J. Green. Correct. Look at those guys on that roster think now, like, Oof, yeah. what about me? Absolutely. So The the number 75 dude that they signed there or whatever. Is, there's actually, there could be a benefit here to not being one of the top 15 programs that is trying to get the best roster possible. Now, everybody wants the best roster possible. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. That you don't, you're you're always going to, you are willing to piss off your current players to get a better player because that's what it's going to take to win a national championship. And Iowa State does that too. Let's not be, let's not bury Dude, our heads in the sand. But not probably near. not going to throw 250000 at no. some guy to replace Eli King. Absolutely. That's not what I mean. Yeah. I, my point is if it's a guy who's clearly not Big 12 level, They'll say, hey, transfer Let's to the Valley. Like, right, it's going to be better for you. It's going to be better for us. So, That's- I, so the more I, th- I think through this, NIL is tough. I mean, it's tough to really wrap your mind around, but I do think it'll come to this equilibrium where, sure, your good te- your your powerhouses are still going to be powerhouses because that's what they are. That's what they always are going to be. But these other teams, the Iowa States of the world, that have had their sweet spot in the Tier 2, we can call it that, will still be in that Tier 2, because of the way the, the roster size is, unless they increase the scholarship size, there will still be players available either from the St. Bonaventures of the world, and I feel bad for them. That Those are the guys who are really getting screwed here. Yep. Those schools. They are. And Drake will too. Yeah. You and I. Oh, yeah. I, they're all they're in that category. The, the only thing about Drake and you and I is it's a lot easier to just bring in white dudes from Iowa and compete because the league that you're in, like, if you're in the Atlantic 10 – and you lose that amount of dudes. Well, like, the Atlantic 10 is better than the Missouri Valley. That's what I'm yeah. saying. Like, you yeah. need you need you bodies. Need you know, you need more you need more guys yep. like that. Like, it's... It, and it's, it's that, I think that that middle to high major is what's going to be hurt the most from all this NIL point. stuff. I agree. 
I agree. And the, but so you've got the sweet spot of you can still pick off some of the the mid major to high major folks like the Bonaventures, but you also can then really be attractive to these high school guys that they're either those tweeners that aren't surefire first rounders or they're trying to maximize production. They don't want to sit on the bench for one of the blue bloods or the Eli Kings of the world who they know Iowa state. If I'm there two, three years, I'm going to have a chance to be a starter. Absolutely. So, and best case, then I can go to Duke. Maybe as get, a fifth year and get a million dollars. Which, If that's what it is. Well, I think it, that'll happen. Then, then like, that's not, what it is. Necessarily with Eli, but no. like, that's what, I mean, Whatever. I'm not going to say anything about Hunter because I don't know the specifics, but I think that pretty clearly Iowa State couldn't afford whatever that had gotten to, and here you are. And he's, he's the, the, the whole point of this con- – like, not the whole point of it. I, this has been good conversation. If I, I'm a true believer because I know what they're doing, and, and they're, they're, if you have $10 a month, give it to the collective because I, I truly I believe – Okay. I, no, I, I, I am – I, I get the whole, like, we don't like the thing. Like, I understand the people who don't appreciate this era of college athletics. I think one of the biggest things you can do to help Iowa State be competitive in the next five years is being involved in that collective. And yeah. I would do it, but I can't. Yeah. People I get <laughs> it. like, well, well, you, we'll put your yeah, own money I up. can't yeah, because you, you talk to recruits. Yeah. And it's a different. It's a totally different deal. But I, that's where my mind, if you want to compete – um, going forward, and and I know the NCAA is cracking down on a lot of that, but the whole deal is to keep current guys happy. And I've I've seen Hunter Deckers was a, our guy Ryan Harclaw. I think it was Deckers was in an event for yeah, some like charity. A, that, I think it was the Make a Wish Foundation. Yeah, yeah, like stuff like that. It's already being put to good use and whatnot. And I saw Gabe Kalsher partnered with YSS up in Ames, which is awesome. Yeah, like that's a great cool, organization. It's cool stuff. It's cool stuff. Like there, so. there is some benefit there now. And I'll say this: I do think the great thing about I'll I'll put like TJ as like the Billy Bean of the Oakland A's. Like if there's a market inefficiency to find, I think this group of coaches will find it. And so maybe it's maybe it's these top twenty to forty guys that the blue bloods are like, yeah, we'll take you, but, or maybe it's the Bonaventures, and this will there be there will be an equilibrium here, and Iowa State will be able to exploit something. Now you're always going to be behind Kansas and Duke and Kentucky, just the way of it. But but I, I I'm not I I kind of was hitting the panic button after the hundred thing. I'm like, oh my gosh, we're just the, basically the Royals. Oh the yeah, Yankees. I absolutely had to talk you off the I, cliff. I do think that we're finding a little bit of a middle ground where Iowa state can still find its place. All right. Uh, when we come back, I want to listen to Jimbo Fisher <laughs> lose his mind and uh, react to that. This has just been great, great theater in the sec over the last week, but I want to give a shout out to our friends at gravitate coworking. You can check them out at gravitate coworking.com and uh, look at all the great locations in downtown Des Moines, also in East Village, Des Moines, Midtown, Windsor Heights, Cedar Falls, and Jefferson. A little teaser. Maybe we'll have one of our road shows in Jefferson, oh, so stay tuned yeah. for that. Uh, hopefully we'll have an announcement on our road shows coming up in the next couple of weeks or sh- or so. I'm trying to get dates ironed out with a lot of these people. Um, but Gravitate Coworking, most importantly, the best thing I can say is when you work with them, you're working with great people. Jeff Wood's a friend of mine and Bloom's. Really stand-up guy. I've known Jeff for a really long time. He's a phenomenal Cyclone fan, and he takes a lot of pride in uh, being here on the podcast, and we appreciate that. We appreciate Jeff and his wife, Hope, very much. Check him out today at Gravitate Coworking. Dot com. 
All right, Jimbo Fisher and uh, Steve Spurrier, or not Steve, Steve Spurrier. He got in the mix. It. Yeah, he got in the mix. Yeah, he <laughs> he couldn't help himself. The old ball coach. No, I got I got to say something here. <laughs> it was phenomenal. Like it it was. Uh, anyways, one of my one of my great sports Drink. rants I think of all time Bloom. I mean I, I think this is right up there with playoffs uh, I think this is right up there with um, they are who they thought they were yeah, this the is screen. talking about practice this is this is all of them we're going to listen to about two minutes of this this is just his freaking opening statement and, and it, he speak and he called his own press conference which makes yeah. it even better oh yeah this is uh, this is former Nick Saban offensive coordinator Current head coach at Texas A&M, Jimbo Fisher. I'd like to respond to some comments made last night in Alabama. Uh, yes, I would. First of all, I'll say it's a shame that we have to do this. <laughs> I don't know who asked that question. <laughs> it's really despicable. It's despicable that somebody can say things about somebody and an organ. More importantly, 17-year-old kids. You're taking shots at 17-year-old kids and their families. And they broke state laws. They're, they're, they're all money. They're, we bought every player on this group. We never bought anybody. No rules were broken. Nothing was done wrong. It was all in the, and the way we do things, the ethics in which we do things. And these families, it's despicable that a reputable head coach could come out and say this when he doesn't get his way or things don't go his way. The narcissist in him doesn't allow those things to happen. And it's ridiculous But when, when he's not on top. And the parody in college football he's been talking about, Go talk to coaches who coach for him. You'll find out all the parody. Go dig into wherever he's been. You can find out anything. And it's a shame that you got to sit here and defend 17-year-old kids and families and Texas A&M because we do things right. We're always going to do things right. right. But we're, not, we're always going to be here. We're doing a heck of a job. These coaches have done a great job. Our players have done a great job. The whole organization of recruiting people. It's despicable that we got to sit here at this level of ball and, and say these things to defend the people of this organization, the kids, 17-year-old kids and their families. It's amazing. Some people think they're God. <laughs> Go dig into how God did his, his deal. You may find out about, about a guy. did his deal. A lot of things you don't want to know. We built him up to be the czar of football. Go dig into his past or anybody that's ever coached with him. You can find out anything you want to find out, what he does and how he does it. And it's despicable. It really is. And it's a shame we have to sit up here and have this conversation about things we do. And it's and it personal to us? Yes, it is. It's personal to A&M. It's personal to our players. It's personal to our coaches and everybody involved. And I know the guy. know him really well. It's amazing that we're allowed to do those things. It's really despicable. And I, and I hate it. For our players who are coming here who did things the right way, have done things the right way, and the will right continue way. to do things the right way. <laughs> I apologize to you that people insult you publicly the way they're doing it. And our fans, I, I, I apologize to you guys for people saying those things about Texas A&M. But I promise you this, there are, no, there are no violations. There are nothing wrong. It's the second time we've had to do this with grown men who don't get their way and want to pout, throw a fit, and act up. Just go ask all the people who work for him. You know exactly what he's about. I always said this. My dad always told me this. When people show you who they are, believe them. He's showing you who he is. Uh, now I'll that, take questions. That's just the opening statement. Uh, thanks to our friends at the uh, AL.com. I believe that's the Big Bama newspaper yeah, in, in so Birmingham. They're, they're locked into that. <sighs> what do you think? Well, I have a lot of thoughts. Yeah. I have a lot of thoughts I've on I've got this. a few. I have a lot of thoughts on this. Like, first of all, 
what Saban said probably isn't wrong. No, it's not. That's <laughs> the problem. They it like, was, I mean, the, factually, well, probably, yeah, we're he all, probably bot was probably the wrong. Correct, term, but like, it's but all it, technicality yeah, here, right? Because so Jimbo, Jimbo can jump on that, but it's like, I'm all pretty right. positive, like that their collective did pay all these oh my guys gosh. to absolutely. To, I've got some numbers for you. Okay, let me yeah, uh, finish your thought. Yeah, I'm because I'm I'm pretty like that's the whole thing for me. Like because I can see like with Jimbo, like I didn't do it, right? Like technically, I think he's, he's probably right. he's right. He's too. technically right. Yeah, it was but in the rules. Saban, like first of all, I have zero sympathy for Nick Saban, and <laughs> there's none. According to his ex. Um, offensive coordinator, the guy's been cheating for decades, right? Like he's a he's a narcissist. Yeah, which he's we a nar- all, yeah, yeah, he is. Go go see how God did his thing. <laughs> did, his deal. Get, did his deal. Did his deal. Go go. You, you, my daddy always told me that if somebody shows you who they are, listen. Um. Okay. So, so Saban's right because we're pretty sure that Texas A&M's collective did pay all these guys. Which is like fine, like that's that's the world we live in. Saving sour grapes, he doesn't like losing. He's building in an excuse, and he's afraid that this new world can pass him by. It's Alabama; they can't keep up financially with Texas and Texas A and M. Cannot. It's a whole different world. And Saban's like, "Oh my God, the earth is shattering." That's how I look at it. But I have a hard time with Jimbo intellectually, like looking the camera in the eye and being like, "No, I mean we did it the right way." Well. Like what? It, what does that mean? Like, I'm sure this is a plausible deniability thing that Jimbo's like. I don't know what these guys got paid. You're gonna have to, uh, you know, whoever the multi-million dollar lawyer that's the head of the thirteenth man or whatever the twelfth man collective uh, collective or what? Right? Like, Printing so to money. me, like they're both full of shit. Yes, <laughs> that's, just, that's the fact. And I'm just here for the. I'm gonna kick back and drink a Cody Road and keep paying attention. And the best part of the whole story. Is Kiffin gets asked, and he, he says just one of the quotes. I think it was Feldman. Maybe he's like, "For the first time in my life, I'm speechless." <laughs> so the other part, Dan Patrick tried to get him on the yeah on the Friday you show, and, it, and the commissioner of the SEC said, "No, no comments." Well, you know, like there's protect the brand. There's Stop. certain guys like just you cannot. I was trying to educate comment. our listeners that like there's certain guys who are always the anonymous sources. I guarantee you Lane Kiffin is like a notorious anonymous source. Yeah. Hey, he loves to talk. Let's go, let's go find Lane. And I'll bet you money that all this happened and the SEC's like, we got to shut up Kiffin because we know he's going to get involved in this. Well, I can imagine being in Greg Sankey's office when Jimbo calls the press conference. <laughs> oh, dear God. No, stop. And, A&M's the one that was good. pissed last year yes. when Texas and Oklahoma got into the league. Yes. So they've they've had problems They're with Sankey for a while now. All right. But so um, here's the thing. Like, I think. And I always come back to this. There's a there's an old economist named I think his name is Adam Smith, who said that everybody would eventually serve their self interest, right? And that's what keeps the economy going. Smart thing to say. I think both these guys are serving their self interest here, hundred percent. Like Jimbo, I completely agree. Jimbo gets attacked, and he's like, you know what? We can't stand for that. I'm calling my own press conference because this is a great chance to get my name out there that we're doing it the right way. The we're right protecting way. these kids. Yeah, it's all about the kids. And we're still. <laughs> and then, but but you're right. So then I looked up the numbers today, C Dub. This was remarkable to me. Texas A&M, and so I, I like to equate donor potential in, in NIL. This is what you do. 
to <laughs> endowments, right? So it's not it's not one to one. Like your Harvards and your Yales don't support athletics because they don't really have high level athletics, but they're one and two in endowments in the world. Stanford's three, but they don't really care as much about athletics, and they're not super fans. Guess who has the next highest endowment in Power Five athletics next to Stanford? Texas A&M is seventh nationally behind all these elite Ivy League schools in Stanford. Wow. Seventh nationally. Their endowment C-Dub is $12.5 billion. They are a monster. If they want to support this thing, and they are fanatical as it is, they could run everybody over. So your next question is, okay, well, where's Alabama? I think Alabama has this misnomer of they're this machine of donations, and they are not. Their endowment is $1.1 billion. They are a twelfth of the size of A&M. Wow. And so Saban knows, I can't survive. If we want to start paying people, well, they've got so way you, more ammo than we do. You know the one, like how this all started, Saban was speaking to business exactly. leaders in Tuscaloosa, and he was basically saying, like, hey, you need to pay our guys. But they can't, and so he knows he has to change the rules back to the old way, or at least keep the quote-unquote parody because they can't compete with A&M. A&M would run them over if it comes down to just NIL and paying people. I would guess, too, and I don't know this, but a program like Clemson would be in deep trouble. I would have to look. You know, they're private. It gets kind of weird. Are there. they really? Yeah, I didn't Clemson's even... private. Well, I think... No, hold on. Hold on. I might might have I, misspoke. I just, like, I've been around... Let I've, me look up their endowment. I've been in that state so much of my life. So they're the same size. No, they, they're one billion as well, so they'd be in trouble. That's what I thought. Like, yeah. there's they're, really no money in are South public. Carolina. My bad. My bad. They're public. Okay. They're public. Okay. So get this. This is the amazing. This is this is a cyclone fanatic. Iowa State's endowment at its high end. Now there's the market. It's been a little volatile. It'll come back. We got up to 1.5 billion. Our endowment is four hundred thousand dollars larger than both Alabama and Clemson's. Now it's not one to one. Like I said, like your Correct. your academic endowment and your athletic donors are not one to one. Clearly with Iowa State. You're, I mean, you're not even close to the same stratosphere right now as Alabama and Clemson. It's just what it is. Now, could Iowa State get there? I mean, I don't know. Probably not with Alabama. But the way it's going, A&M, with its size, its mass, its donor base, its everything, they could completely bury Alabama and Saban knows it. And so this is his way to stop it. And be the good guy, be the czar. He's trying and, to be like the leader. Yeah, college football. A&M completely runs them over. And do you know who else would run them over if it comes to it? Michigan and Ohio State too, because their endowments are way bigger than Alabama's. Wouldn't and even like Florida. And Florida like, is the same way. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So you 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 got it. So it's Texas. Uh, te- I mean, te- Texas is way bigger than Alabama's. Alabama has gotten by because of its tradition, its championships. But they do not have the donor base. Well, and the recruiting base. And the recruiting base as these these monsters in Texas. They just where's don't. LSU or the, like I would wonder about that one. I mean, I nor I, and not I, not a real. I, I'll I look think up that the I've, endowment here. But I've always thought that LSU was like the top three job in college football, and, and it is like, from a recruiting base. Yeah, because they've got so many players. Their endowment is six hundred million, Jeez, smaller than Alabama's. Wow. Now, so it goes to your point. It's not perfect. It's a football factory. It's football. <laughs> right. It's football. Yeah. And it's your your high level donors. Yeah. And it's sometimes it's not the same. Now, you might have a huge base like you do at LSU or Alabama for people who want to buy season tickets mm-hmm. because it's the only thing to do in that state. And you could probably sell some seat licenses. 
But if you want to talk about giving players seven fifty, one million, one point five million dollars like A and M can and not bat an eye, Alabama and Clemson and LSU do not have that that ammo to do that. That's a good conversation. I, Iowa State has more ammo than those those powerhouses, which is crazy. Now, Iowa State's donor base is a little isn't as fanatical as those, and they're not just gonna up front just say, Hey, what do you need? Clearly. But um it's interesting how Iowa State is actually further ahead from an academic standpoint, which you might not think than uh, the Alabamas and the Clemsons of the world. Oh, man. Good stuff. Uh, That's why, though, A&M, though, they are they're they're a, a monster. monster. They're just yeah. a complete monster. So is Texas, like, really. like Yeah. It, and who do you trust more, though, Jimbo or Sark? Who do I trust more? Well, just to get it done. <laughs> oh. I mean... A&M. He's won a national championship. I, thought, like, I was thinking like they're no, both the weasels. No, they're both weasels, yeah. <laughs> That's why Alabama knows it can't, it can't continue we in this game. We should do a weasel ranking in the SEC, <laughs> in the new SEC. Greg Sankey may be number one. Man. Like, guy, guy just completely like uh, Romeo and Juliet and Bob Bullsby in the back. <sighs> Still hurting. That's fun. All right. Um, let's take a real quick break. And I want to promote real quick that Dr. Mo from the Iowa Clinic will yes. join me at the end of this podcast. Uh, this month's doctor interview, Bloom, when do you get a knee replacement? <laughs> hopefully not. Hopefully not, hopefully not for a while. anytime soon. But it's a, he, he's a really sharp guy. He's going to join me at the I end I know of people the, who have had knee replacements. The, my mom had a knee replacement. Uh, my mother-in-law had two knee there replacements. There you go. Well, I, it's really informative stuff yeah. if you're – in that mode of life, we have listeners of all ages, so That's right. check it out. That's coming up at the end of the podcast. I uh, just doing my Sunday reading today, and I get a newsletter, Front Office Sports. It's really good if you guys are yes, into this it stuff. Is. It is good. And it's about the future of Disney, and, it, and, it, and it's funny because sports-like has kind of turned into politics in the sense that – so I read this Front Office Sports column – and I start thinking, like, ah, Disney and ESPN are pretty set up here. They're going to be in a decent spot. We'll talk to them about that here in a minute. And then Clay Travis comes out with a new column this afternoon, and he's basically like, yeah, I mean, they're about ready to go bankrupt. <laughs> like, you know, just, it's like. It's just a stick, but it, yeah. it, it raised some valid points. I read the same thing. Yeah, it was a good piece. It was a good piece. It was a really good piece. Yeah. And I thought we could talk about both sides today, because if you read Travis's piece, you know, it's Amazon and Apple's world to lose in the in the future. It, it may be. Which I, I would probably lean more on that. But I also think what, what's really fascinating about the streaming to me is, do you remember like even like five years ago when we're talking about streaming, it was more like, oh, you got to pick, right? Like, which one are you going to mm-hmm. go with? Like, yep. yep. It's a la carte was the world, the, the words. That was the big thing. That yep. was the thing they got thrown around like, oh, well, I don't want to pay for, gonna, yeah. I don't want to pay for A&E. I just want ESPN. I just want my ESPN. I want my, yeah. Well, really though, like if anybody around here has cut the cord and many of you listening have, like, it's really not like that at all. Mm-mm. Like, I mean, I, I got, the only reason I got YouTube TV is because you told me to. And, I mean, it, it really is just like a better user face than Dish it's, that I used to it's have. cable or Dish through the internet. Yeah. Like, so it's Simple. really, really... It's not a la carte at all. Not that different. Um, now, granted, there's a huge chunk of the country that still hasn't gone to that. So, like, these cable companies and satellite companies are still 
cash machines for the ESPNs of the world. But so is YouTube TV pays the same carriage fees. Correct. And and so that's what this misnomer here. This front office sports thing kind of pointed out like the future of streaming is actually more of the, like these cable bundles. So like is ESPN really that doomed? I don't think so. And it's an, it's a really interesting conversation because in that same article that I read, what was the number of the top fifty rated programs on TV last year? I think it was forty seven were sports. So live sports is always going to have a huge place because you can't tape it. Like it, it is, it is live, and so you always have that advertisement angle. But I do think it's interesting. Cedar, what would you do? Now, I know you have Disney Plus and you have ESPN Plus. So do I. How much would you pay for that combo if it was on its own, right? Like, would you pay, because I think, what is Disney Plus now? $10, $15 a month for Disney Plus on its own? Uh, it's 10 bucks. I think. 10 bucks. And then ESPN Plus is five right now. Yeah. It's going up and to I six, pay, maybe. And I, I pay for both. Yep. But would you? how much would you pay for those if that was your only option? Like, you had to bundle the two together. I don't Would know. You pay fifty a month. If Iowa State games and Big I mean, Twelve games are on it, to, right? I would. I would. Yeah. So that, that's the yeah, point. Yeah. I like, mean, the Disney part to me is less because, like, a lot of that stuff I can still get on Amazon Prime for my kids. Okay. See, that'd be the question: is how much of their stuff yeah. are they going to be locking in, locking in on their own that you can't get anywhere else? And that's why Netflix is going in the tank. They don't have, I mean, they're trying to do more and that's why they stuff, need to do sports. They don't have friends anymore. They don't have, like, all these shows they used to have. The Office, it all went to Peacock. And now they're kind of like, well, if we don't have our own stuff, then they're losing subscribers because of that. So, And that's why the analysts out there on Wall Street are like, you have to get you it. You got to get more stuff. You yeah, have to get are, stuff to retain consumers. They're not paying 20 bucks a month anymore. Yeah, you're you not going to just keep it to watch the Tiger King. And they may for, like, so Stranger Things is coming out this week. Have you seen that yet? No. You would actually like it. It's it's sci-fi and, and probably not up your alley, but you would like it. So that's coming out. But so what people are going to do, if if the Netflix model now, you will subscribe for a month to binge a show, and then you will unsubscribe, and then subscribe again when you see another show you like, where what sports is, is uh, you know, unsubscribe proof in a lot of ways, because you have to be there for the whole season. Correct. So I think I think if 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 Disney wanted to do like Disney Plus, ESPN and Plus bundle, I don't know what they could charge to maybe make up for the ten dollars a month. So the, in that and scenario, the five dollars a month they're getting already. Well, the, like this deal, as Travis pointed out, and he's right. People have been saying this forever. It's a great deal for sports fans because, like, my aunt Barb, who has never watched a game in her life pays for ESPN the ten dollars in her $10 cable bundle month. every yep. month, no matter what. Yep. And she's just there for the home shopping. Network, That's why right? Rutgers got added to the Big Ten. Correct. But like, so what is the new world I don't know. going to be like? Is the debate that how is much, the debate? How much going. are you willing to pay to get ESPN? And how much is ESPN willing to risk the, I, the league contracts and, to well, leverage? That? And that's the point. Like, so right now, I would be succumb to pay a lot because of the live sports. But if they can no longer afford the live sports, then they're Somewhat, I can watch Chris Hassel on CBS HQ and yeah, get the same thing. They need the live thing. sports. They need it, right? Them. But how much do you pay up front to maybe make make that up on the back end if you're ESPN? It's like it's a big game. They have to play right now because the football thing just came up, and all these uh, Power Five conferences are up for those contracts. Going to be what twelve years long? 
Yeah, I mean, uh, maybe, I, maybe not I that long. Think if I'm ESPN, I'd sign them for the longer the better. I agree. Otherwise, you're just going to be outbid by the because yeah. they can't compete. Because Amazon's going to be so Amazon much. Amazon and Apple. Yeah, they have so much more money. Apple's the one to me that I find to be really intriguing because they're kind of just laying low. They've got the baseball thing, which has been kind of disappointing ratings wise. Yeah, but it's, but it's baseball. It's baseball. I mean, it's it's baseball in May. Fair enough. Right, like. I mean, what are what are people honestly expecting? Like, I think Apple's kind of just sitting back there. Did we talk about this last week, or did I write about it? I think I, I wrote, think wrote about, about it. I wrote about it yep. a little bit for the premium subscribers. The like Apple to me, because they're such a smart company, just in general. Like all these other streaming companies are just throwing cash around and just basically lighting it on fire to get subscribers. I kind of feel like Apple's just sitting back and being like, we're going to let everybody else be dumb and we're going to learn how this thing is going to actually play out before we go. Yeah. Because they have the Apple TV Plus, which has been okay. Again, like, if you're just a... The valuations of these companies, like Amazon and Apple, if they wanted to, they could just buy ESPN well, tomorrow. And that's That was the thought, is that ES, Disney may spin off ESPN to just get out of the sports genre altogether and then focus more on the Disney Plus, Disney Parks, Disney Film enterprise. Because the ESPN thing didn't really make sense with the rest of their portfolio. Not now, but it did at one point. Maybe it did. I, I so mean, how much, I mean, the question, then, let's say Apple approaches you with, I mean, it'd be a monster deal to buy ESPN. I don't even know what that would be. So, but how much is, how much is it worth for Apple? To, is to it worth ESPN? more than Twitter? Is ESPN worth? Is more it than worth more I than? I don't. I don't. I wouldn't even billion? know where to start with that. I, I would I think so. I don't even know. I mean, looking at some of the cash figures that were in there today about what it, cash rolls and Could stuff. Be. It's just it. But the other thing that the D, the Disney CEO said is, we are going to go to a streaming only solution sooner rather than later. So all you cable and and dish folks, what does that mean? Does that mean five years? Does that mean 10 years? I'm not sure. But eventually, the cable satellite thing, C-Dub, will go by the wayside, in my opinion. Now, they'll be, will be the one-offs for those who are in just remote areas that they can't get internet. But I do think that the over-the-top solution through ESPN Plus or just an ESPN app that has all of their services in one, that'll be here sooner than later. The only thing is, is... Like, if, they can cap, if they can monetize Well, like, enough. would... Would the NFL be like, okay, just we're okay with cutting us out know. of all these like cable subscribers? I don't, I don't know. And just going straight You're to right. the stream? Like, we right. signed a deal with you for your distribution. It could be 10 years down the road, but. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, that makes more sense. Yeah. But it's. I. And this sounds horrible, too, but a lot, like, a good majority of the people who are going to be fighting are, are going to die. That sounds awful. But, like, they're. We're right. going to be in 10 years. Think about where were you we know, 10 years ago? That's what I'm saying, yeah. man. Like, it. You got to be a little forward thinking here. You can't think about, hey, we're going to watch my game in October. It's not, we're not talking about October. Yeah, These no, companies we're, are thinking about this is a five, 10, 15, 20 years down the road. Yeah. And how do they position? I think the first to really be successful in the streaming sports space will be, you know, could figure it out. And I think ESPN Plus's I, platform is really good, it has potential. If they just want to go all in on that, I think it could work. I it's do a too. big risk, though. It's I'll a say risk. this, and, and I didn't really do it much until this year because of Iowa State, but like, 
it's pretty cool watching games on Saturday afternoon on ESPN Plus. It, it, you know who does it better than anyone is Flow. Like Flow Wrestling and Flow Racing. Yes, it's a good example of now. Like their production to... level isn't yeah. as good because they're basically just farming out these like local track announcers and these you know like the you only have couple ca- camera angles for wrestling as opposed to what ESPN or Fox would provide with the Big Ten Network. But, like, I, so I, I'm a big racing fan. Everybody knows that. Like, on a Saturday night, flow is phenomenal. Like, the way that they had that thing set up. And it it's it's more like YouTube TV than it is like ESPN yeah. Plus, mm-hmm. where you're seeing, like, live stuff and sc- while you're scrolling well, and stuff like that. It must be profitable. The only way they'd be. That's they just keep company. buying things. Yeah. They keep buying up. They keep buying up assets. Yeah, so I, I would encourage people, don't think about, hey, how does this impact me next year? No. It, it, these these companies are thinking, what is the viewership going to look like in 2032? And how do we position ourselves to be first in that space? And I don't know. I mean, it's a big, it'd be a big risk for any of these companies, but um, it'll determine a lot. I don't think that ESPN is like doomed like Travis. I, I, I don't think so either because they still have a huge brand and they still have these contracts with some of these big names until they get completely and it's not like Fox and CBS and NBC are just rolling in money and as we talked about Amazon and Apple don't have the infrastructure yet like these and I'll say this in a nice way the older generation is petrified of going the streaming route dude the I decision was decision makers are yeah and so they don't want to go that route yet. It's going to take a really brazen, risky commissioner, somebody, even on the Power 5 level, to go, yeah, we'll do our third tier with Amazon or Apple. Dude, Like, there are people who are scared this, to death of that. This is the Big 12 shot. I think so. I think you got to get in, and you help develop it, and then hopefully 10 years from now, you've got it figured out before all these other companies are like, oh, my gosh, ESPN's money is now dried up. And I... If my point the whole time, if Amazon wants to pay over value, they can, and it won't be a dent, and they can kind of use you like training wheels. I'm for it. I I just think you gotta you gotta think. I'm you can't sacrifice your future for 25 percent of your audience now. Now it'll hurt you short term. Absolutely will. It will. And do you do you risk the point of being irrelevant if I can't see you on my direct TV guide? Yes. Yes, that's a risk. But I do think if you can be successful in this space 10 years from now, when you're ahead of the curve, it, it'll be like what Amazon.com was before Target got on the online space. You know, like you, you can you can beat them to their game if I don't, you do it this way. I agree, and I don't think that I – don't, I don't know how anybody can deny the sports bundling thing too at some point, like the cable bundling thing and streaming. Right, yeah, it's like, going. It, it, it's we're, we're it's, going back in time here. Well, yeah, the a la carte thing was bullshit it, it the whole time because they can't make money off. Well, it. and even like, like the what's a cable channel that makes good Paramount? Okay, well, like my my wife's a good example. She loves Hallmark and Christmas. I'm not paying no twenty dollars a month for Hallmark channel. That that's that stupid. channel would be ravaged <laughs> yes. if if it was ever truly a la carte. Yes. Right? And they tried it, and then they got the, then they like got your sh- your yeah. favorite shows wouldn't exist. Like I love Paramount because they've got Yellowstone. It's like my favorite show. Yep. If it was just Paramount, like you have to pay fifteen dollars a month 
for it specifically. Now, I know they have their app now, so that's not a great example, but they're also getting the cable bundle on top of it where you could watch it on cable. So I, it's it. not the same yeah. thing. But if it was like the only way you could watch Yellowstone was, yeah, and paying? all these other great shows that they've produced is by paying $15 a month alone. They wouldn't be able to afford to make the shows is my whole point. That's, that's what Netflix is going to face here. Correct. I think in the next two years. All right. So well, it has fun. been. Fun. I mean, the, but this will tell us a lot. the ne- The next three years in in college sports rights will give us a good idea of what people think about what the future of of sports media is. Because if you're willing to go that route, um, I think you could take advantage. But also, are those companies willing to invest in those college sports? Or are they just going to try and piecemeal with the NFL? Because honestly, C Dub, if you get bored this week, look at the NFL ratings. It's stupid. They are unbelievable. Like, Compare like them to a, the NBA. Or the right. college football playoff. Oh, yeah. They are just a complete cash cow. Yeah. Like, if you want a sure thing, kind of like the, we talked about Omaha earlier in the podcast. Yeah. Just invest in the NFL. It's not slowing down. <laughs> as much as the Clay Travis's of the world want to say it's woke and all this. Yeah, no, 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 no. Look at the ratings last year. <laughs> a complete monster. Good so, point. Yeah. So, I, so why is Amazon involved in the NFL? <laughs> They're paying a billion dollars. They're not, it's not like, a hobby. It's no. They're they're preppy. It they're, is a monster. Ama- and, uh, and honestly, Amazon's about to take over the world of sports. I to, truly believe that. To roll it all, wrap into one. Back to Jimbo and, and Saban. College football is in a really weird spot right now because the NFL is about to steamroll all of it. And if it becomes too regional and just a power twenty-five, oh. you're gone. You're irrelevant because even the Bengals make the Super Bowl. Yeah. Vanderbilt ain't ever making that Super Bowl. They are not. Especially if it's up to these collectives and stuff like that. There's no chance. Their endowment is large, though. Just listen to Nick Saban. He's all about the parody, guys. That's all he cares about is parody Uh, in in our favorite sport. All right, Bloom, good pod. Hey, thanks, Bob. We'll have to figure out something for next week, Memorial Day. I'm going to be down at the Lake of the Ozarks, but we'll we'll, we'll figure it out. All right. Uh, Thanks, Mechdyne, sponsoring our program as always. Have a great week. Uh, Last week of school for a lot of the kiddos. Give them a big... uh, kiss and a hug for Uncle Chris. Okay, that was weird. Never mind. Just give him a dab. Have a great week. All right, let's get to our Doc Spot series and uh, looking forward to this one, talking with Dr. Mo, Dr. Craig Mo from Orthopedics with our friends at the Iowa Clinic Talking a little bit about knee replacements today. First of all, Doc, thank you so much for uh, taking the time. We have listeners of all ages. We have some that are younger that this probably won't pertain to yet, but maybe their moms and dads might be going through something. And we also have an older listener base who, who listen to what we do here. Um, what is there like a – what leads to you, Doc, thinking that someone needs a knee replacement. Like, where does it go from like, oh, there's just pain here to, ah, oh, we probably should get this taken care of? Well, yeah, no, first of all, thanks so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. Um, yeah, to answer your question, I think, you know, really the when to have a knee replacement is, is completely up to the patient. You know, I think patients come and see me and have this pain and kind of have an idea of what's going on. And we kind of talk them through it, confirm that that's what is the issue. And my job is to basically give you all the information you need to make that decision. Um, 
But you know, there's really not any reason to suffer in pain. You know, there's no magic age cutoff that you have to get to to say, all right, well, now I'm 65, I can finally get my knee replaced. It's more, you know, when it hurts you enough and, and you, you're just not enjoying the things that you, know, that you want to do, you can't go to a football game if you want to or, or whatever it is, then, um, then that's, the, that's the time for you to do it. What a, tell me a little bit about these surgeries because I, I, w- I would assume, Dr. Mo, that it has you know, evolved quite a bit over the years compared to what people might be thinking. What, what is, how complex is the surgery and the recovery these days? Um, well, complexity is, is there. I mean, certainly each patient has a different thing that's done to them. But I think the, the, the real important thing, and, and people always ask me all the time, what's, what's the best, greatest thing that's happened in knee replacement? And I think it's our ability to control the pain. I mean, I'm not going to say that it doesn't hurt at all, but the pain that you experience after a knee replacement is so much less than what it used to be. Even when I was in my early training in residency, you know, patients would basically be in bed and would give them all the pain medication they could handle just to get them through. Whereas now people are going home the same day or if at most staying, you know, staying overnight and going home the next day. So I think that is a big factor. And well, I'm not going to say it doesn't hurt, but that initial phase of pain that was quite debilitating before is, is improved. And so that makes us able to get people to recover faster. I mean, there are most of my patients are in here uh, four, five, maybe six weeks later that are pretty much returning to normal life as far as getting around and doing the things they want to do. And I, I would assume too, that it, I mean, the, the recovery is basically just how, how well can you handle the physical therapy, right? And going through that. Right. Physical therapy is a you know, key component and knee replacement's special in that you really got to work to get the range of motion back. And that's where therapists really help. Um, it's that and just, yeah, just being able to, you know, get some strength back and, and being able to yeah get through that process of being able to, to fully extend your knee and also to bend it. You also, um, uh, just real quick for, for people listening to you, don't do, you don't just do knee replacements, right? You do work on sports injuries for our younger audience and uh, listener base, right? You guys are, you handle everything there at the Iowa clinic. We've got you covered. Yep. We do hip and knee replacements. We got shoulder, we got hand, we've got foot and ankle, all that stuff. You know, just, just, we, we got it all here under one roof. All right. Uh, Dr. Mo, appreciate your time, buddy. Thank you so much for your time. And, uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Well, thanks so much for having me on.